evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 242, blasting our way up to 250 soon. And I'm sitting in for Rob again tonight. He has so many things that he's so busy with, especially getting prepared for uh, this Sunday, doing all the services he's going to do. So with that in mind, he's actually asked me to inform you that we're going to take the weekend off, Saturday and Sunday, from live stream, but we still have church services on Sunday at a 9, 11, and 1 o'clock. And as he said before several times, the 9 and 11 gets pretty packed. So uh, the 1 o'clock is the one that you'll get the first class seating. There's a little bit more room. But with that in mind, things are always changing. There's always new news coming out. So if you can do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and the alert, the bell that's in the YouTube window when you're watching these. And if we do change something and we're going to do it Saturday or Sunday, that will alert you to any possible video that we're going to uh, uh, broadcast if we get some breaking news. Before we get to this guest that we've had on a couple times before that, I'm so excited to hear his new stories. Um, we want to give you a couple announcements. On Sunday at 5 p.m., Kirk Cameron is hosting a peaceful protest, singing uh, songs of the season. It's going to be this Sunday, 5 p.m. at the Westlake Promenade at that fountain right by Powell Martins. Kirk has been amazing in supporting the church and all the things that he's done through the non-essential and some other movies that he's done that's really been supporting community. So come out, support him and our community um, in this great event that gives you an opportunity to uh, fellowship with the people that... Uh, um, are going to be hosting this in our community and our church. Um, one of the other things that Rob's been really focusing on that we've been doing this live stream, he's been doing it at church, is there's a lot of businesses in the area that are starting to stand up and um, protect their businesses, protect their families that they're supporting through their businesses. We've highlighted um, Pizza Cookery that's at 75 um, North Thousand Oaks Boulevard. And the owners told me he's been completely blessed by you stopping by there, supporting him. And I'm sorry, it's 75 West Thousand Oaks Boulevard. Um, he's been completely blessed by the support that you've been giving. Please keep it up. Um, he's, he's, uh, this is not for the faint of heart, like I said. This is something that is a, a, a tasking that you really have to be strong in your fortitude to keep on going with this. But another business I went to about three days ago is Caneo Coffee. Um, they're right across the way from the Target Mall. Um, and I went in the other day, no masks, no social distancing, and it was so refreshing to sit there in the presence of other people and just be able to hang out. Um, it was a great service, great coffee. Uh, they're open 6 o'clock to 2 o'clock pretty much every day except Sunday. There's their address. Please uh, frequent them, bless them as they stand up and trying to support their businesses and their families that support that. Um, by popular demand, just a couple upcoming guests, um, I want to highlight one that's been on before, Peggy Hall. She was here with us uh, about a month and a half ago. She is going to be here December 15th live. We're going to do it at our 7 o'clock normal time. Please show up early because I'm assuming it's going to get uh, packed because she's graining in popularity as she takes a stand 
for our state, our businesses, our communities. So please come out and watch that. Be ready for questions and the excitement that Peggy Hall brings to all of our events. So look forward to that. It's December 15th at 7 p.m. Show up early at the church. Um, just a couple things before we start with our guests. If you saw the latest um, highlights of the, uh, the state restrictions, they broke us down into five uh, regions. And if you look, we're in the Southern California region. Ventura County's in the Southern California region. And we're at 206 in our ICU bed availability. If we drop down to below 15%, and just for uh, using uh, Ventura County as a reference, we're already at 14%. So Ventura County itself is below the 15%. We're just being helped by some other counties in that Southern California area that is keeping us at the 20.6%. But they're projecting maybe the next three to four days, um, we will be going below 15%. If we do, a bunch of things start to kick in. Um, We have a list. I think that's the next slide, Micah, if we have that one. Um, Well, there real quick, there's a good example of how many ICU beds. If you look at the bottom uh, left, we have 162 um, ICU beds in Ventura County. So we're currently using about, um, we have about 20, uh, about actually about 15% in reserve, 14% to be exactly in reserve. So we're not too far away. But that's what happens if ICU beds uh, fell below 15%. And we're so close to it at 20% right now. Actually, if there's a car accident, a major car accident on the freeway and puts five, six people in ICU, we could be crossing over that barrier right then. Um, If we do go into that 15%, uh, it's three weeks that we have to stay there. Uh, So those are all a list of all the things that close. Churches have to go outdoors. Um, So it's going to be pretty much a house lockdown um, all the way through Christmas. So this is... We are getting used to the purple, red, orange, yellow. I can't even remember the colors. And now we move the goalpost again, and uh, that's where that's where we're at. Um, there is a lot of election news. Rob does such a great job covering it, but since he hasn't been here, as he's been busy, um, Charlie Kirk, who's a friend of the church, a friend of us, just an amazing. Uh, a guy that's just stayed on top of it. I'd encourage you to go to the Charlie Kirk uh, show. You can find it at charliekirk.com. And he's really staying on top of the news that's going on. So uh, please visit him, and that will keep you up to date. And hopefully Rob will give us some more local, up-to-date California stuff when he returns on Monday. Um, Well, with all the stuff that's going on, um, uh, covid Uh, the elections, family, stress, holidays, this is going to bring you, our next guest, bring us into perspective of what's going on around the world. And it uh, it brings you into reality of there's things that are going around the world that are incredible struggles. So Alex Park is with us today, and he has been on episode 99. If you go back, 99, that was so long ago. A while ago. Yeah. So if you go back to 99, 
it's a great way you can get his story and background, but you're going to give us a little bit of a refresh on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other one that you came on, 127 and 128, you did human trafficking. Yes. And it was such a great informational piece for us. And then the people that you work with, Free Burma Rangers, I think that was about 126, 127. Mm-hmm. Michael will put them down in the notes so you can go back and revisit them. But you're, you're of all the guests, you're one of my heroes <laughs> because Alex is 31 and he has done incredible work with the Free Burma Rangers and some other things. So this stories that you're going to tell us, because you just got back from Sirius, yeah. Syria, well, ago, yeah. Yeah, will help us put in context the other things that are going on in the world. So uh, awesome. can you first start, for the people aren't going to go back and watch 99 real quick <laughs> to get up to speed, can sure. you kind of give us your background? Yeah. And then, and then we'll start on the, the stories of your most recent mission. Sure, yeah. Um, Rob was connected to me, I to Rob through James, a mutual friend of ours. Um, I was originally in the Army, so I went through Sacramento State, did college, commissioned. I was eventually stationed in Nashville. That's when I met James, uh, mm-hmm. Rob's uh, son-in-law. Son-in-law. Yep, and so um, we got to talking uh, after church one day, and so he invited me onto the show, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we started talking about what I was going to do with Free Burma Rangers. Uh, I got connected to Free Burma Rangers through... Um, some of my military stuff, but mostly through being in the NGO world, I was working with International Justice Mission, mm-hmm. which is a, a pretty big counter-human trafficking organization. And um, they have mutual friends with Dave Eubank, the guy who started Free Burma Rangers, and that's how I got connected with them. Um, and Free Burma Rangers, for those of you who don't know, if, if you want to learn more, by the way, they have a great documentary out you can get on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's 20 bucks, and all those uh, royalties go to, uh, to the organization. So mm-hmm. worth it, totally worth yeah. every penny. And it does a great job of showing you and kind of bringing you to the journey of uh, Dave and his family. Dave, uh, also ex-military, not, not like me. I was in for a little, little tiny bit. He did 10 years. He was a ranger. He was a, a Green Beret. Uh, got out, and he was a missionary kid in Thailand. His dad um, served as a missionary there, uh, and that's where Dave grew up. So um, after after Dave's military career, his dad invites him, hey, uh, you obviously know there's the civil war that's been happening in Burma for the past 70 years. They need your help. Can you come help? So Dave went to seminary, became an uh, ordinated pastor and missionary, and moved uh, with his then new wife and raised their kids in the jungles in Burma. That was uh, almost 25 years ago now, or about 25 years ago. So to this point now, they have a camp there that's training local volunteers in Burma to go out and help people that are suffering under the the basically the pogroms that Myanmar commits against uh, the ethnic minorities in that country. And then not only that, that's running on its own. They're always training people medical uh, to get uh, journalistic evidence with cameras, all kinds of things. And now he brings some of those medics to all the parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So when ISIS was lighting a fire in Iraq and uh, Syria back in 2015, 2014, that time frame, um, Dave and some of his team was able to get over there. So that's kind of how people are like, where does this organization work? What do they do? Well, they work wherever wherever they can go, wherever God's leading them and wherever they're invited. So they've worked in Sudan before, but predominantly the past uh, five or six years they've worked in Iraq and Syria. Mm-hmm. So just a few weeks ago, I had just gotten back from a, a little trip that we did into Syria, and that was to kind of reconnect with some of the people that they helped last year during the Turkish offensive, yeah. which we'll talk a little more about. Yeah, the, uh, the thing that's amazing, I, I, I narrow it down to uh, uh, the fact that you raise money to go get shot at to be able to protect <laughs> families that are being displaced. That's, yeah, the, yeah. that's in the, the nutshell the way I do. And you think about all the stuff that's going in our country, 
like I said, you raise money to go get shot out to protect families that are being displaced, uh, which is just, that's that's why I say it's just the amazing work that you're doing. Um, can you? We we have a bunch of pictures and some videos that we're going to show. Yeah. But um, people, uh, when they watch the movie, which I encourage you to do on Amazon or go to their Definitely. website, there's some great videos there. Free Burma Rangers. Um, or YouTube. Or YouTube. There's some great ones there. Yeah, real sure. But. Um, the thing that's interesting, you're going, why are they spending so much time capturing video and pictures? It's mm -hmm. like, you know, are they doing selfies or something like that? There's, right. there's a complete uh, story, mm -hmm. science, whatever you want to call it, behind yeah, it. Can you explain that, the deliberate sure. uh, reasoning for doing that? Yeah, and actually the funny thing about that, we were talking earlier about this, but um, in Rambo, I think it's Rambo 4, um, whatever the latest one is, and the intro to that movie, that the movie takes place in Myanmar, and they picked Myanmar because it was one of the most lawless, dangerous, and violent countries in the world. Mm -hmm. That's why they picked it for that movie. The footage they used at the beginning is from Free, Free Burma Rangers. Really? Yeah. Some of the volunteers that are in there, ethnic Burmese people that live in that situation, that were trained to go out and take this video evidence, they have just databases of burned down villages and you know fighting and combat and all of this stuff. The 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 um, Rambo movie uses some of that footage at the introduction. Mm -hmm. which is wild. So they use some real footage um, mm. in the just to introduce it. And the reason that, uh, that Dave has always done that, like when he first started, he was literally a guy in the jungle running around with a rucksack full of medical equipment, mm -hmm. going to where he knew people were in trouble and helping them get out and then helping whoever he could. Little by little, people started following him. And one of those people, his, name, his code name is Monkey, but that's right. kind of, you know, and uh, he's an awesome guy. He's one of the pastors that's over there. And I met him when I was over in Burma in 2017. And he started talking to people and filming and getting their stories. Mm -hmm. And what happens there, it's like any journalistic piece. It's like now this is not just happening in one corner of the world. Now their voice and now their stories is being told. It's mm -hmm. no longer in the dark, right? They're mm -hmm. bringing light to a situation. And that became huge. It got to the point where some of the footage that they were using was even, um, they would put it out to Associated Press and different people would pick it up. And when Myanmar is trying to present itself as, you know, a upstanding moral nation that's worthy of uh, trade, support, alliance, etc. Uh, now the UN has some document with a photo and reporting from BBC who picked it up from AP and mm -hmm. is saying, hey, what what is it? Literally holding a paper. You can see it in the documentary, too. They're, they're saying, hey, what is this report? You're keeping slaves to use in your military. Mm -hmm. Hey, what is this report? You're still burning down and attacking villages that have nothing to do with the military. It has nothing to do with an insurgency. You're just killing these people. Um, so what they're doing with that really makes a huge difference. And in fact, you could say it, it, it makes, makes the, it like the uh, biggest impact, yeah. right? Because they're not only going to the UN, but they're mm -hmm. going to trading partners, partners and other countries. That, yeah, that information that, yeah. is damaging all around. And so you can't just be a nation that's so closed off like Myanmar. Same thing kind of happened in China with uh, the Uyghur population, right? The Muslim mm -hmm. minority there in the Southwest. When people saw videos of them uh, lining up Uyghurs in jumpsuits, getting loaded onto trains, it's like, this is surreal that this, this is happening now. That's not Germany in, in you know, the 30s. Mm -hmm. That's now in China. And that, that is a whole thing that now China has to deal with, that that truth is out there. Yeah. So it, it's, it's sort of that same idea. And so uh, they've been using it ever since. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the, and and you when you watch the movie, that's a big take, and a lot of yeah. the footage from the movie, I assume, is some of the uh, everything they e- use. Yep, everything except for the interviews where they're literally sitting in the studio. Yeah. is footage from you know the combat in Mosul, some of the combat in Burma, some of the things that they experience. It's it's all taken from people that were there. Yeah, so you just got back from Syria two weeks ago. You were about long, about three weeks ago. Three yeah. weeks. How long were you there for? So we were in Iraq for a week and a half trying to get over the border. <laughs> so oh we, we get into, uh, into Iraq, and then we go through a process. So we don't, we don't sneak in. We go through a process to go in. And uh, it took us a long time for various reasons, uh, COVID kind of being one of them, but it's also just a kind of complicated part of the, right. part of the border. And um, eventually made it in, and we spent about two and a half weeks there. Huh. And uh, Freebirmer Rangers is there, Dave and, and, a, and a team of medics and, uh, and a few other people were there about a year ago. And one of their medics actually died. This is last October. Um, this is during an offensive. We'll have, we'll have a map up. But basically... Right. At that point, uh, our troops were pulled back, and we didn't really want to take responsibility for the security in that area anymore. And it, it kind of pulled the rug out from underneath the Kurds who expected us to be there. And that's when uh, Turkish forces took advantage of that situation and mm-hmm. pushed in about 30 kilometers from their border to create kind of a buffer zone or a safe zone, they said. Mm-hmm. But they're doing this with militia. A lot of those militia uh, are former ISIS guys. Really, really evil people. Uh, Paid off and equipped. Exactly. So that Turkey can have a little bit of deniability. Uh But even when we're there, like there were several towns that we were in where no more than 300 meters away from the road that we were standing on, there's Turkish advisors there and then the the militia. And you can, you can, you can't see them, but you can see the positions that they're, that they're occupying. Yeah. Um, And so that's how they use that to to push in and displace all those people. So last year, Freebird Marangers was there. Uh, helping uh, basically provide emergency medical care and support because they're totally overwhelmed. So they would go and connect with churches and mostly hospitals they would stay at, go out in the ambulance and pick people up and, uh, and bring them back in. And then, of course, getting it all on video. And at that time, Dave was one of the only people that was out there getting things on video because all the journalists had left, our mm-hmm. military had left, and there's, there's no safe way of being there anymore. So yeah. he's one of the only people that are getting the message out of the truth about what Turkey was doing. Because, yeah. again, it's one of those situations where there's a ceasefire, but there's still civilians getting killed on purpose, yeah. right, on purpose. So we basically were there to follow up and, and see how everyone was doing and, and report and continue to tell what was going on. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, so we have some pictures and we have some videos. So yeah. I know you've primed these up. So I think there's a couple of pictures that we can talk yeah, through. Absolutely. And then we'll, we'll go to a, a video that we want to queue up in a certain way. But... What, what's, is this? Uh... This is Erbil. So Erbil is the capital of Kurdistan, um, which is uh, kind of separate in different parts, but this is Iraqi Kurdistan. And um, it's, it's a little bit different than what you'd expect. On the upper left, that's what they call the citadel. And it's literally thousands of years old, just mixed with the modern day market and cars. And you have a Toyota driving right past it. <clears throat> so this part of the world, it's, I mean, even if you kind of go to like the East Coast or or Europe, right? It's like you have such a mix of old, old, old history standing there, and then modern stuff. You have these organic, you know, food places. It's just, it's not really what you imagine when you think of Iraq, right? So it's all in English, too. Yeah, it's in English, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people read both, so people can say both. A lot of the kids, like, could at least say, how are you? Yeah. So you get that a lot. Hello, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, running along. Yeah, full-on yeah. skyscrapers. Yeah, Boy. right, right next to... You know, thousands of years old. 
So this okay. is the graphic that we were talking about, and we were operating primarily inside of that blue area. The blue area is uh, run by the Syrian Democratic Forces, which are Kurds, Syrian Kurds, um, which is a different government than the Iraqi Kurds. So it's kind of a complicated situation. Um, but we stopped and visited friends essentially along uh, this whole border. So we were in uh, Tel Tamar, Inisa, uh, Raqqa, um, Kobani, and a little bit of time in Manbij, uh, kind of in Kamishli, kind of visiting and um, catching up with a lot of the people that were in those situations. So essentially, uh, what happened in October of last year was this, uh, you can see this arrow is coming down on the top where it says Turkish invasion. So the orange areas used to be Kurdish territory. Mm-hmm. Totally uh, Kurdish uh, populations living in those places, Ras Alain, Tel Abiyad, uh, actually, and there's some photos at the end of this talking about some of the civilians that are displaced from that town, from Tel Abiyad, uh, that have nowhere to go now. Um, Afrin over there on the upper left, uh, be praying for Afrin. Afrin is suffering really, really terribly, mostly Kurdish, but it's under occupation. So this militia that I was talking about before, a lot of them ex-ISIS, they're still kidnapping girls from Afrin and selling them into trafficking up into Turkey with, really? with the total uh, compliance from that government. So is all those orangish areas, those are all places that have been taken over yes, by Turkey? by Turkish forces, yeah. And then what, what would be the population approximately of those displaced people from those orange areas? So yeah. to give you an idea, just Tel Abiyad, I want to say is in the neighborhood of about 3,000, 2,000 to 3,000. Uh-huh. Um, Ras Al Ain is several thousand as well. Those are just those specific towns. But okay. there's tens of thousands that are coming uh, from from that northern part, and then from Afrin and Aleppo and, and kind of west, a uh, few in Manbij that are traveling east to get to Kamishli and some of these safer places, again, thousands more. So, and so, they have to retreat into northeast Yeah, Syria. They're, they're moving over into northeast Syria, which is basically uh, some of the safest places for people to be in at this point. Boy. Yeah. So that's what we were, that's what we were going into. Iraq is over to your east, kind of east and south. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, this is, so this is a farmer. They're using full-on John Deere tractors out there in the, in the countryside. And this, this photogenic guy, just one of his friends brought him over. He saw us with cameras and was like, hey, can you take pictures of us? Um, so there's a lot of stuff that I want to show in the photos that's like kind of everyday life. It's not all on fire. Right. It's not all suffering. It's not all... Uh, you know, like w- what you kind of imagine, this this girl kills me. She's just freaking adorable. Uh, yeah, this smile. is during, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they're incredible. Uh, really, really friendly and playful. And uh, this is during some of the kids programs um, that we did there to kind of like tell some of the messaging. And um, Dave Dave's wife Karen runs a lot of what they call the Good Life Club. Which is um, they get all the kids together, they sing songs, and then they talk about the gospel through the bracelet, with the you know the green, gold, white, mm-hmm. and the black, that whole thing, um, and they hand the bracelets out. This is a playground in Raqqa that they help set up with another organization. Again, kids are just having fun. They they are totally goofy. Like they've been displaced last year. They're literally homeless. They're living in these tents, um, and it's not like they're not suffering. It's not like they're not in a bad place, um, but. Whenever you see them, they're smiling, they're waving, they're running up to you, they want to play, they want to have fun. You know, we were throwing the football around with them, uh, and then we did a kids' program with them as well. The, the parents love it. For a while, we weren't sure. We had a couple from Nashville, 
uh, Lane and Carrie, you can check them out on Spotify Trampolines. They're basically Christian EDM music. It's oh, wild. Really? It's wild. <laughs> they literally carted in these two. That's Lane oh. jumping up during a oh, concert in Manpit. <laughs> you can see the speakers. They're battery-powered speakers that they lugged in in the trucks. Jeez. Crazy. And so they do these concerts with the kids, and they love them. They, you know, and the, the moms and everything, it's like you think they're so conservative, and they have the, the head wraps and everything, but they love it. Like, they're laughing and thanking us or like the, these kids are going to remember it for the rest of their lives really really cool oh this is one gosh. of the girls at, at a school there yeah some of these kids are just incredibly photogenic um and they all kind of look different syria historically has been a place that's like a hub there's so many different cultures and connections before syria fell in 2011 they were one of the most well-developed and secure countries in the world really? in, in in for that region especially no one thought they were going to fall during the arab spring so it's kind of a wild situation that they're experiencing now. This is one of the greatest crowds we had for this. We gave them all uh, glow sticks. We did the concert and everything. This is at a church. Uh, these are Syriac Christians, some of the oldest Christians in the world. And, uh, and here they are just jumping around and enjoying themselves. Um, during, during the what, two and a half, three weeks that you're there, because we have a video we're going to show, but what's... what's How's your time spent? Because this looks like you're kind of like having a, yeah. uh, engaging with them from a missionary standpoint. But what's, what's the structure of all the things that you do? Yeah, usually we'll go to a place for about two days. Mm -hmm. We'll connect with everyone. We'll do a kids program and then we assess the need. Um, if we stop by a place that have displaced people, then we try to do interviews. Mm -hmm. And then we try and get their story out. Mm -hmm. And actually it was really cool. In the documentary you'll see... Um, one of the girls, she actually had uh, one of her eyes shot, shot out. She was hit in the head. Um, her eye came out. She survived, which is miraculous. She actually came uh, into, uh, uh, before we got into Syria, because she lives uh, in Iraq, and she came and we were able to interview her and follow up and, and catch up with the parents. And she was, it's, there's a beauty, and I was talking to Callie. So uh, Callie and I were kind of in charge of uh, the videos and the documentation. Callie and Jake are two of my best friends. And uh, she went to the, to the L.A. film school, and documentaries are kind of what she wants to do. So she took lead on the documenting and mm -hmm. putting the videos together and everything. And we were just talking about how there's, there's a striking beauty about people that have this resilience. You know, you see her, and she's gone through so much hell. She has one good eye, but she looks beautiful. It's so hard to describe. It's not just a physical beauty. Yeah. It's like we were just like this beautiful girl is so precious it, it was it's a wild thing to see and and we get her to laugh and smile and stuff and dave and, is and goofy this was and, the same girl that was at the end of the the documentary movie right that you not got, yeah not not the one that um not the one that's on amazon she she's uh she's in the part where they're surrounded in the humvee yeah and shaheen dies one of the translators dies yeah. she was the one they were taking care of okay yeah um, so, so you had a so chance we to, were able to catch up with her and, and interview the, them because it's so I mean the thing about the work that you guys do that you don't always get to see the, the rewards the fruits exactly. of all these people so right. what was the time from the last time you saw her to so that time? was the first time that I personally had met her but for a lot of those guys like well Dave obviously and then there were a couple of the other guys that were in Mosul that knew her uh -huh. that were there when that was happening right and that was 2015, I think, 2016, two, uh, about five or six years ago. 
Um, so she's like they, 16, 15 Yeah, now? she's like an older teenager now, yeah. right? Looking at school and different things that she has to pay for. So it's like following up on their life. Because it's not just over, right? Yeah. It's not just like there's a flashpoint um, and then their lives are good to go now. Yeah. <laughs> now that ISIS yeah. is gone and et cetera, it's like their whole life is kind of upended. So um, it's, it's definitely kind of a cool thing to see, you know, even though we think of Iraq and Syria as like, well, that's kind of, a war zone, but it's kind of like it's not really on the news anymore. Yeah, it's, it's not out really. Of the side, out yeah, of the line, it's, so it's, it must not be happening anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, going back and continuing to give those people support because when we do leave, when we move those troops out, people died again. People were displaced yeah. again. It, it, they live under a, a pressure cooker of people around that want to take everything that they have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and they'll do it. They they've done it. Right. Yeah. And so it's. Um, to continue to give those people hope and to, and to show them, hey, we're here with you for the long run means a lot. Yeah. It means a lot to them. That was one of the things that was brought up in the movie is that Dave was getting frustrated because the United States kind of pulled back. And mm-hmm. it's like, what, what are we doing? You know, yeah. and He's having the struggle with how, how am I going to help these people? Yeah. I'm just one, per, one person. Yeah. If, if you watch the movie for any other reason but to see the faith of his family yeah. and the purity of his faith in Jesus Christ. And it's like he's going into these incredible situations and he's texting friends or calling friends, please pray please for pray, us. Yeah. And in you're real going, time. Yeah, and it's just it's just amazing, which makes us go, guy, they're out of the wrong uh, you know, cheese at the grocery store. Really bring <laughs> some different perspectives. But yeah. um, did you want to play that video? And if so, do you want to cue it up or is there some other things that we let's see we're almost there in, in the chronological timeline oh, okay, of the slide deck yeah okay, we'll, we'll jump there and just so this is some training that we did this was in um, one of the towns again we were friends with one of the doctors there that um, we got to sit with he was there um, this is actually in the same town where their medic died last year hmm. and they have a I think it's on the slide deck. they have a picture of him up there but um, training uh, some of the volunteers in this town again. So yeah, this is the hospital there. Zhao Seng is a Burmese medic, um, and he was killed by a Turkish either motor strike or a drone strike uh, with Dave and some of his team members last year when they were helping the Kurds. Um, so in that the, area. we've been talking about Dave Eubanks the whole time. That that photo of him in the center. That's Dave Eubanks of. Yeah. The leader, Free Burma Range. That's not his son to the... That's the, Peter, yep. Oh, okay, got yep, it. On, uh, okay. on his right or left, yep. Okay. And uh, so and that's so it says, you kind of see it, it says S with a little squiggly below it and Zhao saying it means Shahid. And it, it's, they even call it a Shahid culture. Shahid means uh, martyr. Mm-hmm. So anyone that dies fighting, um, protecting the people, they call them Shahid. And they name hospitals after them, schools after them, parks, playgrounds. Really? Yeah, when you drive into towns, we'll have pictures of that too. Like, you drive in and you'll see a picture of someone, and they can be Kurdish, they can be Burmese, like this, right? And they honor those people like they're the most venerated people in in the culture, in Kurdish mm-hmm. culture, because they're there on the front line helping people. Yeah. So they yeah. made this for for Zalsang, which is amazing. Boy. Yeah, this is a church that they're building in Raqqa. Um, it, actually, I believe the guy who was in charge of it was Armenian. Um, so it's Armenian Christians in Raqqa uh, that are uh, building this, and we're friends with the city council there, and uh, they're helping us uh, rebuild, which is pretty amazing. So this is one of the things that Free Burma Rangers does as well, is helping rebuild churches, hospitals, schools, things like that. 
This is some of the destruction to this day um, in Raqqa. A lot of it is coming back. Um, you can see a lot of new construction, but people live in here. This house to the right, mm-hmm. there's people inside of there. They, they live there, running <laughs> water. What house to the right. Exactly, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's a building in there, yeah. and, and they still live in there. And it has electricity, the TV is on, running water and everything, but they're still cleaning everything out. And this is years after the war. Raqqa was the capital of ISIS in Syria. So, I mean, this place saw so much violence and horror. Um, and then when the, when the Americans are in here helping liberate, um, there was just so much decimation from the fighting uh, in the battles that happened, but people are rebuilding now. And just to, to bring back to that, those first slides with the high-rises, how far away so different this? different countries. So okay, the high rises are in Iraq, and then that's in Syria. But I mean, so you're not too far away. Twelve so. hour drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like next door. Yeah. Um, this is a refugee camp, IDP camp, internally displaced people camp. Uh, that that picture with the kid doing the handstand earlier. This is the this is where they live, mm-hmm. um, and these are the people near Ain Isa, which Ain Isa means eyes of Jesus. Isa is Jesus. So, so when Dave prays with people in Arabic, he says in Isa's name, and he and they praise that with Muslims, with whoever, and they're all about it, welcoming of it. Um, and so these, uh, this group of people are displaced from Tel Abiyad, that town just north of Isa that the Turks don't control. I took this. This they have these crazy uh, little like whirling dust dervishes <laughs> every once in a while, and the kids kind of like freak out and run around in it when, really? <laughs> whenever they come through, yeah. They're not, like, very aggressive. It's not, like, sandy and whippy, but it'll come up and just, it, it's kind of an extraordinary thing to see, and then, you know, the kids get all riled up and run around it and stuff. But they still have the, the power, the, the power lines and stuff like that going yeah. through. Yep, so uh, this is a Russian base on, well, Russian-occupied former uh, American base inside of Ainisa, that same, that's about 15 minutes away from where that camp was. You can see the Russian flag on the top there. Um, and the Russians are part of regular patrols that are there to, you know, peace keep, quote unquote, although they're not doing a great job of it, uh, on the M4 highway. It's a highway that divides. So we're standing right here on the M4 highway looking at, uh, those, are, those are Turkish advisor positions in those houses. Really? So they, yeah. So they took us over there, and really quickly we briefed because they do shoot at cars, and they shot at one of our friends that were on that same highway at that spot. This is so they use these uh, giant kind of roadblocks standing up like that. If there's a suicide car coming, they set off a charge on either side, and those roadblocks fall in the way to block from oh suicide gosh. bombers coming up, because you can't just you know shoot the driver. It's in a Mad Max style armored car. I'll, I'll show some of that later. What is what is the uh, what do they think of you guys being there? They love us. Okay. They're they're really welcoming. Um, and it depends. Kurds are really really welcoming of us, which I thought was interesting. Again, because we kind of not kind of we really did betray them. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people are displaced because of you know uh, we we moved back out. and abandoned. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they still loved us. Every time we drive by in our trucks, like they know we're not Kurdish. We're not you know we're not from there. Uh, but they, they, all the kids wave and smile and run along the cars. The parents smile and wave at us. Like, hmm. everyone's so hospitable. When we crossed in from over the border, the lady who was doing our passport approvals invited us to her, fourth, uh, fourth, her, her daughter's fourth birthday. At their, all, all, the whole team, 
just convoyed in and she had us all in there and we were just dancing and eating food with them and, right. and they accepted it. Yeah. Just it, they're a, a, probably one of the warmest friendly cultures Kurds are that I've ever seen. Right. Arabs are, are friendly with us too. They, a lot right. of them loved us. They tend to be a little bit slower to warm up, which makes sense. I definitely right. don't blame them. Yeah. But, uh, but again, just a little bit different. So this is that day. So this is an Anisa, that same town, and we can pause here and do the video after. Um, this is a, an older woman that was in the hospital with us when, that, when the kid died. And um, this, this, essentially what happens is every so often those positions that we showed earlier will just fire mortars, which is kind of like artillery. It'll just shoot up in the air and come down indiscriminately in the town just to pressure them, just constant terror, like... You can never really sleep. You can never really rest. You can never really, you know, know that you're at peace because we're firing these rounds into your town. Pretty damaging rounds. Do and they want to displace them farther or they yes. just want to create fear so that they, they want to keep on displacing and removing Kurds as far away from the border as they can. They want to take as much ground as they can. Yeah. Yeah. This is, so this is the family that uh, the picture right there in the middle is the kid who died. His name's Hatem. Yeah. And so. Uh, just to cue it up too. So Dave's on the far yep. right, yep. and his that his wife Karen, Karen on the is far on the left. left. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and the family that's in between. Yeah, um, uh, we're going to show this video. It has some graphic content. Um, I've watched it two or three times, and you have a well, you you cry a little bit, and there's some graphic things in there that uh, catch you a little bit off guard. Yeah, but. Um, the difference between watching the news of this, mm -hmm. it's a guy with a helmet on and a microphone 50 miles away yeah. talking about see that going off over there and how bad it is. And you're kind of wondering, you're trying to the grasp the story of what's yeah. going on. The difference between the videos that you guys take is you're there yeah. with the suffering and the, the families yeah. and you're really capturing the heart and the sentiment of what's going on right, right. there. So um, was there, do you want to cue that video up anymore? Because well, you were, you were, you were there. Yeah. Um, I think we can do the video and I can kind of give, what, why don't I do a little bit of background? The video starts with a round going off in the distance. So I'll give a little bit of background on that day. We were planning on leaving that day to go to Kobani, another town on the border, very famous Kurdish town. Um, very culturally important. A little bit less dangerous, a little bit less fighting there. Um, but we had been in Ainisa in this town where this happened, uh, I think for a couple of days at that point, um, supporting some of the people there, going to the IDP camp, supporting them. And um, that morning we heard what sounded like distant thunder. So it sounded like, off in the distance. Oh, that's artillery, they said, right? And so we were like, okay. So Callie and I and another friend went up onto the roof, uh, and we're trying to get it, see if we can get a view of this. Uh, we, we later went underneath the roof to the, to the floor underneath that to make sure we weren't right, exposed yeah. or whatever. And when we were down there, um, two, two rounds, that day they shot off six. Two of the rounds, second to last rounds, landed 150 meters away from us, like mm -hmm. one street over. And that sounded like if you've been in a thunderstorm where the thunder goes off right over your head, right. same sound, same exact sound, right, just same thing. And we moved over and we could see two flumes come up right in the middle of town. Hmm. And it, those didn't hurt anybody, which is wild. I was like, surely that hit somebody because you can see people walking around normally, which is interesting. They're just so used to this at this point that they look at it 
and they react. No one's hurt, and they walk on. It's wild. Oh no one God. running, right? Like the, the hospital people are running because yeah. it maybe someone's hurt. But the people on the street just are walking around. It's another day. Crazy. Because it happens almost once a week. And more so recently, the past few days, we keep getting reports and the attacks are, are ramping up. Right. Right. And then the last round that happened, you'll see it, it's the beginning of this video, happened far away outside of the town. And we thought it didn't hit anybody. Because you can see it off in the distance. It doesn't look like there's anything out there. But this kid is a shepherd kid. He was on his donkey. And you see this a lot. You're driving along and you see kids on donkeys and they're shepherding uh, their sheep or, mm-hmm. or whatever they have, goats. And uh, so he was out there on his sheep. The round came in. This is what we heard later. The round had come in. Um, the men that were there too were far enough away to where they didn't get hurt. But it killed a bunch of the sheep. It uh, decapitated the donkey that Hatem was riding on and then it shredded his legs. Mm-hmm. And his left uh, leg was partially, partially amputated. So when it came in, it was just hanging by, by a mm-hmm. thread. Um, and he was, he was knocked out. He had some other wounds as well. And so that was the situation that we came into when, when this happened. So we can, we can show the video. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. We will share your message. And we will share your sorrow with you. Go back to their country, yeah. to stay in our country. I agree. Oh, speciality for these children. Yeah. time I see that it, it that one yeah. gets me yeah um, it's a it, it's amazing when you sign up for a missions trip with them you're not going down to Mexico to build a 
home. Yeah. The skill set that you have to have, not only to be able to defend these families, to protect these families, to comfort these families, yeah. to be able to provide medical support. Yeah. And then yeah. three days before you're at a camp entertaining exactly. kids and trying to connect with them and yeah. share the love of God for them. And, yeah. and um, there's a picture I almost included. Um, so this is Lane and Carrie. If you go back one, um, Lane and Carrie, again, from Nashville, uh, they were there doing the program, but we did a program in Kobani where we went the next day. And, um, now that I'm talking about it, it would have been cool to show the picture, but Lane was praying and we didn't actually know at that point what had happened to Hatem. We didn't mm -hmm. know that he had died. We got the report the next day. Mm -hmm. We think he got killed. We, on the transport back to Raqqa, bigger hospital, it's about an hour and a half, two hour drive. And he passed away. And there Lane is, Lane and Carrie doing their thing, leading a high energy concert. And he's praying at the beginning of it. And you can see his, Callie got a great shot of him. And you can see him holding back weeping and just falling in, in uh, his face, you know, it's, it, it's a hard transition. It's a hard transition. At that time, um, for me, it, it felt, uh, it was a really interesting combination of feelings, but it didn't hit me like it does now. You know, mm -hmm. there's like, um, there's kind of a, it's not a compartmentalization, but when I was there, the feeling that I got was, uh, it's right that we're here, something like that. Mm -hmm. We belong here. Even though it's like a, it's dangerous and it's a threat and it's all of this stuff, the feeling that you get when you're there, you get to be there for someone uh, in a moment like that, um, you belong. How many, mission, how many mission trips have you done with uh, Free Burma Rangers? This is essentially the first mission that I've done with them on mission. When mm -hmm. I was with them in Burma, that's to their camp. Mm. So we, uh, I did some vaccination trips out from that, but it wasn't like a full-blown mission to the extent that this was. So the people that do this, how do you, how do you uh, decompress coming out of it? Yeah. And is it one of those things where you're just going, okay, been there, done that. Because going back and seeing that again... Uh -huh. If it tears you up inside, how, I mean, so what are the emotions that go through when you come back and you start to reflect back on yeah. the experience you just had? So, I mean, the first thing is everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different thing with this. And the interesting thing is there's a lot of people who are vets that go and do this. Not all of them, but a good mm -hmm. portion of the team are usually veterans. The funny thing about veterans that I think people don't quite um, it's hard to communicate, but, but one of the crucial things about veterans, especially people that come out of the special operations community, is that you feel more at home out there than you do here. Yeah. yeah. And why is that? It's because you're fully being utilized. Think about it this way. You're out fighting some of the greatest enemies of humanity that exist, mm -hmm. some of the worst people in the world. Yeah. And you're there jumping out of planes, right, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys, battling it out alongside some of the heroes of, of the world, really, mm -hmm. right? They're liberating kids. They're liberating slaves. They're, they're doing all of that. And you come home, and you're driving through traffic day after day. Mm -hmm. A few people know you. A few people mm -hmm. care what you did. That's another planet. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter here. Different things matter here, right? That, that feeling that you get when you're in, 
It's not, a, it's not an adrenaline rush. It's not about being in an adrenaline rush. For a few guys it is. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that you're, you're really doing something that's so magnificently purposeful that it dwarfs the meaning of everything else. Yeah. It sucks the life out of it like a mm-hmm. vampire. Mm-hmm. You come home and it's like, what do I do that even comes close to that? A lot of guys find a, a semi-purpose in making a lot of money. A lot of them, you know, they, they find another thrill or another passion, but it, it usually pales. The, uh, one of the medics that was with us was a former SEAL. He said a lot of his friends, when they get out, he says the common joke is like when you get out, your job after that is being an addict or homeless. Yeah. It's crazy. And a lot of his friends have committed suicide. What is the makeup like um, of people that join? Mm-hmm. I mean, veterans, former mm-hmm. military, maybe former missionaries, mm-hmm. medics. Is there any... You know, so like your Cali, two friends there. Yeah, yeah. So it's some people that do music. It's it's really a lot of things. It's people that are healthcare professionals, um, journalists do do uh, go on mission with with Dave a lot as well, and um, you know it's it's and some people who are just trying to figure it out. You'll <laughs> you'll have guests that are there that have just come out of the military and they're trying to figure out what their next step is, or people that are in the security industry that have done that. Um, and, and he'll just invite them out and say, hey, this is what we do. This is what it's like for us to follow Jesus. So it's also a ministry in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's funny talking to some of the veterans that are there of the military and of Dave's trips. And, and Sky Barkley, one of the guys who was um, the Marine, right? you know who I'm talking about. He was there mm-hmm. with Dave when they were pulling the girl out from behind that tank, right? Dave yeah, right yeah, now. I remember that. So, so Sky was there. So he was in Iraq when we got to meet up again and meet. Uh, and I'm forgetting her name, but the but the girl who was shot mm-hmm. and, and lives, right? And um, he was saying, it is so refreshing to be out here again because yeah. I don't have to explain myself to people. And I'm here doing something useful again. Well, the purpose must the, be... The, really? Yeah. And, and uh, I, a financial term, the return on investment. Yes. Because you're getting to really <laughs> yes. see the differences that you're yes. making. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and the... I'll, I'll, I'll finish this thought, I guess, or this string with this is like to, the way that they see it, the way that I see it and feel is that it's not that necessarily we have to go out there and we get torn up and we go back and now we have to do a bunch of self-care. There is some of that because mm-hmm. no, no person is made to just be on edge all the time. Right. There's some of that. But, uh, but a lot of what it is is this kind of thing of like the world is smaller when you jump around to these different places, you realize the flight there doesn't take too long. And then you're in this other part of the country, other part of the world that's, it doesn't feel like another planet anymore. It exists, it's there. Mm -hmm. It's just across a body of water. Mm -hmm. And then you're standing there. It makes the world smaller. And then when the world is smaller, it's almost like, it's almost like if, if you're in a house and everyone in that house is celebrating, but in one part of the house, you have a good friend who's being abused by people. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's happening in the rest of the house is relevant anymore. You're going to go to that one room. And that room isn't in another house. It's not in another world. It's not part of some other thing out of sight, out of mind. It's like it's here. Right. There's no other place you'd rather be. And it, it just, just seems weird thinking, well, is it going to do damage to me to go help my friend? Or if it's your family member, even more so. If you love that person, right? It, it, the perspective, the question almost has nothing to do with like, oh, well, you know, is it going to damage my psyche to go help my friend in this part of the house? It's yeah. like, no, it's going to damage my psyche more to not be in that part of the house yeah. and yeah. be in this part of the house and pretend I'm enjoying myself drinking 
wine and cheese, and it's not that that's wrong. I love wine and cheese. Yeah. I will destroy a charcuterie plate if you put it in front of me. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's right. just that you can't do your whole life like that if there's a place that you feel like you have to be. And when you're in a place like that with Hatemi and he's on the table, and you're there with a team of people that's trying to help him, and not a lot of other people would be there to help him, right? Yeah. You feel like this is right. There's well, almost more joy than sorrow. Yeah. I think that in the United States, even though things are changing rapidly, is we get the bass in the grays of our society, mm. you know, as opposed <laughs> to going over here. It's black or white. It's sure. good exactly. and evil. Sure. Uh, Sonia that we've had on a couple times before, she's gone to some incredible places where witch doctors and stuff oh, yeah. like that. It's black or white. Yeah. You don't have the grays that you get to find in Whole Foods sure. or frustration with yeah, elections yeah, yeah. or whatever. This sure. is true. So you get the you're and and you want to think that that black is yeah. a planet away, not like you said, a yeah. short flight, a relatively short flight away. Right. Right. So that's and, an, just, and you yeah. you made a really good point was like it's true, right? It's true. It's like that, that's really black or that's really white. That right. was one thing when I saw the rounds go off. I didn't have an adrenaline rush like I thought I would. My heart didn't start pumping. It wasn't anything like that. It was literally like, this is true. I think that's yeah. a great way of saying it. This is yeah. actually real. Right. This, this, what's happening here is actually real. And there's a way that I can go about addressing it. And it's clarity. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's when you see not, evil straight on. Yeah, it's, yeah. 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 Uh, it's not that there's a lot going on. Because there's still complexity. The curds aren't perfect. You know, it's not... It's not that it's it's easy to understand or whatever, but it, it is just, like you said, that, that's evil. What happened to that kid was wrong, period. Yeah. And there's no, no one's going to stand there and argue with you about it. I mean, no one's sane. Maybe the Turks would, right? But, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's not like it's not arguing about COVID. There's things to say about it that are important. It's not arguing about the election, though. There's things to say about it that, that's important. Mm -hmm. You look at it, and it's real, and it strikes you, and then you move. Yeah, you know your body and reality are one yeah. thing. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, did we have? Because I, I wanted to kind of move on as we get close yeah. to the top. Was there any other pictures that we had or we part of the story? Uh, can you maybe click through them? Because I'd yeah. like to talk about what you're going to do next. Yes, absolutely. This is a memorial outside of Kobani, very famous. Again, they honor the people that fought from all over the place. Um, very, very highly here. It's a very, very famous site. Um, this is a woman, I'm pulling up her name now, Arin um, Mirkan. She was 20 years old. This is a statue inside of uh, Kobani, probably the most famous piece uh, for the Kurds. Died fighting ISIS. She has two kids. She's part of the YPJ all-female units that fought ISIS. Really? Yeah. And uh, in she was kind of a last stand, took, took a grenade out, took her own life, but then took out several ISIS guys and was part of a, uh, a last stand against ISIS here. And eventually the Kurds liberated this town, Kobani, right on the border with Turkey, uh, and they made a statue here. Very, very iconic. This is a guy, a friend of Dave's, uh, lived in Raqqa while uh, ISIS was occupied, was held as a prisoner in the soccer fields and witnessed um, ISIS executing people, selling girls, everything really really wild very joyful guy now and mm -hmm. they live on they live with the reality of what that was this is again this is kobani they leave this part of the city kind of uh with the wounds from that battle as a memorial hmm. so you'll see in the next photo and the kids the kids come with us everywhere we are these kids 
So this, this piece, if you stand next to this, average person 5'11 or so, you'll, go, you'll, you'll be about half as tall as this. Massive really? homemade devices. And, and these kind of weapons of war uh, were, were so common during these battles. All over the world now, they have kind of like uh, improvised devices like this. This is the improvised uh, uh, vehicle armor that ISIS uses. So it's loaded with hundreds of pounds of explosives, and you can't shoot it with rifles. You have to hit it with a tank. Really? Yeah, for it to stop. Just Mad Max, insane armor welded onto these vans and cars. Boy. Very, very deadly. Hundreds of them every day going off inside of Mosul during the battle. Good old socialism has no borders. This is inside of Kobani. You would see these Che Guevara uh, uh, little graffiti murals all, all over the place. Socialism, unfortunately, is taking quite a bit of a hold inside of some uh, Syrian Kurds. Again, this is kind of just a contrast what you'd expect seeing in Syria. Beautiful. There were some parts of it that reminded me of Napa. Rolling hmm. hills, beautiful orchards, water. Really, really cool. This is a, one of the churches near Kobani. Um, this is Elizabeth uh, Gori, one of the um, uh, Syriac Christian leaders inside of hmm. the SDF great friend of ours, um, and, and this man is the leader of the Syriac Cross. These are some of the community leaders in Tel Abiyah. This is the last thing that I'll end on. I think it's three photos. But we prayed with these guys. They told their story, and Callie and I um, filmed them telling their story, and they kind of just tell it, right? It's like, this is what happened. We're frustrated. Why this is this happening to us? But um, no tears. They started crying after they prayed with them and said, we're here with you, you're not forgotten, we're praying for you, and we're going to get the message out. And they started crying. It's like they can't even believe that someone is doing this for them. It's like it's surreal that this is happening to them, and it's frustrating, and, it, and winter is coming, and that's hard. But now you have people that are here that are going to go speak for you. And that's when they wept. And we were all crying. Like I was, I was tearing up, Callie was crying, Dave was crying. It, when you see men like this who normally keep a pretty stern you know, appearance and pretty level-headed, like, and they've seen a lot, but it's, it's when we're standing with them. And, it, and it's something that made me think, like, we kind of see these areas as statically at war. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, they're, they're just suffering. They're just suffering there. But it's not. Like, they were living pretty normal lives a year ago, only 30 kilometers away from where they are. And like that, everything changes. Sorrow comes because of change. Yeah. Sorrow doesn't come because things are the same, right? Their whole life changed. And when we can see that, it's like we're not just showing. And when we talk about this, we have to be really careful, right? Because we're not representing these people as here are these suffering people in a place and part of the world that is just always suffering. Mm-hmm. Oh, Africa is always suffering. The Middle East, it's always su- it's, not. it's not. It's not unchangeable. These yeah. things are not unchangeable. Something evil happened. It happened. It took place. And it changed lives in a negative way. And there's nothing saying that someone can't intervene and be with people like that and, and push it in the opposite direction. Yeah. This change is volatile. These places are volatile. The one thing I just picked up from what you just said, and it applies to us here, is sometimes that we just need to stop mm-hmm. and listen mm-hmm. and listen to the person's story. We're mm-hmm. so quick to talk. We're so quick yeah. to say our opinions back to it's, uh, Rob always says, you know, people don't care what you know until mm-hmm. they know that you care. Yeah. 
And to say that you're going to listen, you're going to listen, and you're going to take their story back. Yeah. God, that's a simple story that we all need to, yeah. a simple lesson we all need to learn. It's literally yeah. just saying, I'm with you. Yeah. We don't have to understand it. You don't even have to say, I don't understand. Like, in grief in general, we have no idea a lot of the time how to deal with it. Especially that, it's like, I can't even imagine your situation. I live in such a different city. You don't have to say that. You don't have to say, I'm so sorry for your situation. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say any of that. Just say, we're here with you. Yeah. It's that verse, weep with those who weep. Yeah. So simple. But you do it. It's so powerful when you do it. Because yeah. then you're not alone. When you're suffering, it doesn't matter. Different language, different place, different context, different beliefs and ideas. But you stand there with them and you say, we weep with you. Mm-hmm. They'll weep. It, it honestly, yeah, thinking about it kind of just hit, <laughs> hit you. Man, it, that's all you have to do. Even yeah. here, someone's suffering from something. You don't understand it. You've never been in that situation, not even close. Don't, don't leave them like that. Don't say, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, that hurts me too. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Weep with them. Or don't say anything. Weep yeah. with them. Yeah. Weep with those yeah. who weep. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, the blessing of being on uh, live stream with Rob is people have reached out to me and I've met with people that are really hurting. Yeah. And the thing that I've had to learn is just to listen because if I try to say, I understand yeah. or there's there's somebody that's lost their son to an OD yeah. or they found but, their wife cheating on him. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I can't yeah. relate, but I, I want to listen. Yeah. And like you said, weep with them. Weep with them. And, so, and ask questions. Go Because yeah. they want to know. They want to be where someone is not. Yeah. Questions. Questions yeah. is how you move to a place you're not. Yeah. You ask them questions. What did your son love? What was he like? Yeah. You know? What, what was, you, that's how you, you go into these places and it's not that you're physically standing there, but it's, it's like now someone is with me. When you're suffering yeah. like that, when someone asks, they care enough to ask about, because most of the time it's too uncomfortable, but you ask, now you're there. And people know what that means. It's not you're physically there, but now you're there in that yeah. place. Yeah. Really I love important. this verse that you, you found that you brought to, to share. This is amazing. Yeah, this is, you know, because I think, we get caught up in a conversation between works and, you know, but only salvation and grace and, and, you know, don't try and earn your salvation. It's like, well, don't try and justify yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> before God. That's a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's legalism. Yeah. But at the same time. Plus you won't make it. Plus you won't make it. There's <laughs> no way. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting. The verse right before this says, right, for, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Then this, which is weird. Most of the time we would not say this right after saying that. It's like a paradox. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Later on in Ephesians it says, <laughs> man, it, Ephesians is so good. I could talk for the yeah. rest of the time about this. To... So it's 4.11, Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it's like, what does it mean to be mature, full, 
Paul says we're designed to be made perfect. What does that mean? It's works. Yeah. These, the fruit of your life comes out in serving people for nothing, just because that's what you yeah. are now. And once you say that maturity is that you're doing it not to get a gold star in no. heaven or look at me, look at me. Exactly. The maturity is you're doing what Dave is such a, Dave Eubanks is yeah. such a great example. Yeah. You know, when we had him on the show, and I really recommend you to, uh, uh, to see his movie, uh, to watch the interview that we did. We, I, it was the first time I saw Rob tongue-tied. Yeah. He says, yeah. Rob said, if you watch that uh, episode, uh, Rob says, I just can't relate, you know, <laughs> and it's, and yeah. I've never met a more humble person yeah. and he's putting one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. moving forward yeah. and his, the, the works that he's done right. doesn't compare to anybody in the United States hundred thousand people combined, sure. but he doesn't look at that way. No. We ask him what he needs. We need prayer. Yeah. He doesn't ask for anything else. Yeah. So um, can you tell us, because we're, we're uh, definitely at the top of the hour and I don't want to keep people going, because well, we'll have you on again, because <laughs> we like having you on, but what, um, tell us where you're going to next and, sure. um, and how we can support you and help you be in any way. Yeah, sure. So uh, some of you know about a little organization called Samaritan's Purse. Um, a little bit, yeah. They, they work yeah. all over the place. Um, was talking to a friend, uh, what's today, Friday, so yesterday, yeah. and he said, hey, would you be willing to come to Armenia with us? We're doing some assessments for some potential uh, future operations there. They've done a little bit of aid there already um, because of the, the conflict that's happening in Armenia. But uh, So they invited me and they said, hey, can you leave this weekend? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I think I can. Yes, why not? <laughs> yeah. Oh they're, they're, yeah. They're wild. Uh, they'll, they'll send people out just so quickly. So basically, I'm just going to go and help them do some assessment to, to see if they can put in um, some clinics um, temporarily to help people that are displaced. There's about 70,000 people displaced, mm-hmm. more, more or less. It fluctuates a lot because of what's happening. But uh, a lot of people displaced from that conflict, um, even though there's kind of a a ceasefire being honored, and uh, so we're going to go and see what we can do. Yeah, I like that you said, basically, I'm just going to, you know, basically, I'm going to drive down to San Diego. (laughs) We'll we'll be back before Christmas, you know, so they're they're like, hey, I'll have you back by Christmas. Oh, all right. Okay. okay. (laughs) Fine, fine, you convinced me. Um, Can we close this time? I would like to have you pray for uh, all the things that we talked about, all the people that you've been touched by, that you've touched, the Eubanks, obviously, they yeah. always want yeah. uh, prayer. So yeah. can you close us out in that? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, I thank you so much for Godspeak Calvary Chapel, for Dave and Rob um, leading your people, Lord. I pray that you would fill them with wisdom and keep them from pride and that their eyes would be kept on you and that they would live for your kingdom alone and that everything else would be added to them. Um, I pray for everyone that's watching this, Lord, that they would be um, moved not in a direction of guilt or a direction of um, deridement or a direction of dismissal, but a direction of looking towards you and asking them, what have you put on my heart to do? What do I do, Lord? And asking that for the rest of their lives, just what do I do? Make me your hands and feet. I pray for humility for everyone listening, Lord, and I pray that everyone would make uh, uh, the first first priority to fear you and to, and to obey your word and so to love your word and to be in it. Um, may we uh, at Godspeak, Lord, 
be the hands and feet and the voice uh, to a hurting world wherever we are, whether we're overseas or whether we're in our own neighborhoods. May we not speak with fear, may we not speak with self-preservation, but may we speak with, uh, with the humble and assured voice that you've given us through your Son. I pray, Lord, for those who are serving overseas, both in the military uh, and out, people in NGOs and, and people that are serving like the Eubanks um, and many other families that we know um, that are working out on the front lines in various capacities. Keep them safe. Um, may uh, you bless the work of their hands, Lord. Bless their, bless their words. Um, may none of them fall flat. And I pray that um, the people that are supporting them and watching would be blessed by uh, everything that, that they're doing, Lord. Um, we praise your name, Lord. You are wonderful. And thank you for your son and for salvation. Amen. Amen. It's, uh, when I look back on my notes on the announcements I made at the beginning, they seem so trivial to the stories. And that's why we always love having you on <laughs> because it, it resets us to realize that the hurt and suffering that's going on around the world, that there's people like you and the Eubanks that are making it uh, happen and make a difference. Um, so since you're only basically going over to help out, I'm going to let you call out on numbers 624 through 26 is the blessing. So it's up on the screen. We do this every night for the last 242 episodes as a way of blessing you. And uh, if you could read it to him, that'd be great. Absolutely. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Oh, thank you so much. So just as a reminder, uh, we're not going to have live stream uh, Saturday and Sunday to, uh, to further allow Rob to uh, get ready for Sunday. One member, uh, Sunday services 9, 11, and 1 o'clock. He uh, uh, has some fantastic guests that we're hopefully going to have on next week. Um, but we want to definitely make sure that you're praying for all the needs of your trip, of the church, of the things that are going around in our country. And as we learned tonight, please think about reaching out to somebody that might be hurting, struggling, especially Absolutely. as we might be going down to do some more lockdowns. Absolutely. Be there to pick up a phone, to listen, to pray with somebody, yeah. to provide the comfort, and to weep with them. That's right. So thank you so much for hanging out of with course. us tonight. Thanks for having we, me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. Have a great night.